Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Assistant Director of Career Services here at Northwest. On today's podcast, our distinguished guest, originally from Kansas City, she is a sophomore English education major, and one of our career ambassadors. Please welcome Reby Fulbright. Welcome, Reby. Hello. We always like to have our students on the podcast, you know, when we can just ask them all kinds of great questions. (laughs) So can you tell us how long you've been a career ambassador and what you like the best about it? Um, I've been a career ambassador for, I guess, a year and a half now. I like the most about it is being, well, one, being able to help the students because I like doing resumes and cover letters, helping students with that. Uh, But also like being able to participate in the different events we have, because I feel like if I didn't work here, I probably wouldn't have seen how important it is to go to the different events. And so like having to be there for them and like participate in them really helps in that process and like making connections and figuring out like elevator pitch and things like that. So I'd probably say that's my favorite part. So as an English education major, do you feel like that like focus on writing helps you with the cover letters and resumes part? Oh, definitely. Um, All the time when I start off with somebody, when I see myself start going like crazy on their resume, I'm like, so I'm an English education major. Don't mind me. I'm not trying to take over your paper. Please stop me when you need me to. Um, I think though for cover letters, it really helps just because it's easier to see. I think the hardest part of being an English teacher that I had to wrestle with is seeing somebody else's writing style and helping them in that, not helping them in like a like specific standard type way. So I feel like that really helps with the cover letters because I can feel more so where they're coming from and like where they're trying to go. And then seeing their writing style, I can like help them in a way that still feels like them. And I, I think that's fascinating. Like career ambassador doesn't really seem like it matches up very well with English education. But to be honest, like it's like a lot of the things that we do involve writing. So it actually matches up super well. (laughs) Yeah. Why did you decide to be an English ed major? Probably third grade. My um, teacher, my teacher, Miss Ross, she decided to do like a writing unit. And what she did is she got us all composition notebooks and was like, every single week, I expect a story from you guys. And she would have, at first we would just like turn them into her, but she decided like, I'm tired of reading to you guys on the mat. You're going to read to each other. So I would share my stories and everybody would always be like, so when are you going to finish it? And I'm like, I'm writing something new next week. What are you talking about? And they're just like, no, I expect you to finish it. So every single time I would present, like I would have to, I would like finish my story and keep going. So my whole notebooks would be just full of different stories and people would be like, no, we want to hear what she's doing versus like sharing themselves. So that really got me into the writing part. And I guess my um, high school senior English teacher, she was also our, I guess it's like graduate person, the person over our class. Um, So seeing like her manage all that stuff and like the connection that she had with different students and everything like that, it just made me feel like I don't want to just write. I want to share like writing with others because she really like helped make it easy for students to succeed in her class, like taking them with like their different styles of writing. And she would always talk to us and take that time out to communicate with us while doing all that other stuff for our class. So I just that inspired me to want to be a teacher. Did you come to Northwest because of the education program or how'd you find your way here? 
my biology teacher went here actually. And this <laughs> probably the only thing that we liked about our biology teacher was that she was so passionate about teaching as a teacher subpar but she was very passionate about what she was doing when she would come in and do it and when we would start talking to her about like college and like how stressed out we were and like doing all these applications she would be like if you want to be a teacher you should go to Northwest it's amazing and so uh, that ended up being on one of my lists when I was like exploring different schools to go to. Did you come visit before you came here? I did not I didn't get to visit any schools which is probably like the saddest part. I feel like coming, seeing campus and coming to campus is probably like one of the most important things because you really get a vibe for what the school is. So like coming on Advantage Day and everything like that, once I was admitted, like I was like, oh, okay, I like this place. But I feel like if I had a chance to go around different places, that would really help me make a decision versus just like paper and statistics. That's a really good insight, I think, (laughs) for a lot of students, like maybe even students that, you know, are current students who didn't have the opportunity to do those types of things. So when you were looking, so you knew you wanted to be an English education major. When you were looking for a college, did you did you consider other schools? I am probably too studious. That's probably my worst thing. Um, freshman year, the summer break, I took all summer looking up colleges. I had a big old binder. Um, it was full of like A to Z, probably like 100 schools. I had their stats. I had what majors they had, if they had my major, if they had my minor. I had like demographics, what they look like, what their financial aid was. If they had a financial aid calculator, I did it and figured out how much it would be. If they didn't, um, I estimated based on their different pages, like everything planned out. Sophomore year in high school, we had to take college readiness class. And he basically, I was just like, I don't need to do this assignment. So he saw my binder and he was like, whoa, that's crazy. So really, I didn't really look back at college type stuff. Like I just kept evaluating as time went on throughout high school. But in senior year, um, when I finally started getting those like application packages and things of that sort, I really like put it in perspective, I think, because I feel like when you're first looking at colleges, you feel like, oh, I can go anywhere and I can do anything, especially like for me, like with the grades and and the test scores, like I really felt like that was a thing that I could do. But seeing those application packages and what that really added up to when you really thought about it, I was like, this is very expensive. So that's when I really started narrowing it down. And it went from like 98 to like seven. So yeah, that whole binder, I, I don't I don't say it's a waste. It wasn't a waste of time. It was very good because then I got to really figure out what I was actually looking for in a school. But I did a bit much. And that's why we snatched Rebe up. We knew. So Rebe, talk to me about your first job. What was your very first job you ever had? My mom worked with this lady uh, in our neighborhood at Tuesday morning. And she ended up being the boss of a party store. And so she had always told my mom, your kids are so great. They're so cute. Whenever they get older, have them come over here and I'm hiring them right away. So my brother had been working for her when before he graduated. And so he was leaving and she was just like, come in, come in. And I had never met with her like officially at that point. So I was really just like, she's playing, right? So I went in to go get an application and she was like, come on back, come on back, fill it out. And then let me get you the paperwork so you can get started working. (laughs) And so that was my first job, but basically it's just a party store. So like I would help people um, plan like baby showers, uh, do 
uh let's see what else do we have to do like just regular parties we have a halloween store upstairs which is amazing every single time i go up there i want to buy something and then i can't and then it doesn't help that you have a 50 percent off discount so like i really wanted to buy stuff october horribly busy month so that would always be our busiest thing but otherwise we'd always be blowing up balloons which of course when the helium shortage started made us feel really guilty but also people were still coming in for balloons so that was a fun time but yeah that's that was my first job so did you work through did you work at the party store all through high school yep every single time and when i come back from break for a summer break i still work so that's that's a pretty customer service focused job so how did customer service come naturally to you what what was something like maybe one of the biggest lessons that you had to learn about customer service customer service did come naturally to me only because my mom worked in sales so she would always be like coming home telling us like stories of different customer service so I feel like that sort of really helped me through that and she was always like very important on like communication and things of that sort I think probably the best which is probably probably not what you want to tell people but the best thing I can tell you for customer service is if you don't okay first have confidence in yourself because a lot of the time you'll think like you don't know it but then you go back and ask and you actually do know it so if you like feel in your gut that that's what it is it probably is what it is if you've been there for a while and been paying attention uh but also when it comes to sales like know that there are other options be creative with what you had to do so like a lot of times people would come in like for baby showers for example and like see the plates that we have and be like you don't have purple elephants i want purple elephants and so then you start talking like you give them the next best thing so you're like okay so we don't have purple elephants but we have this really pretty unicorn thing and it looks amazing and then you can do this with it and you can do this with it and then you can add these balloons and then suddenly like they're buying like all this other extra stuff that they didn't even think about or when they come in and they're like i have no idea what this party is going to look like they just told me a color like knowing your store back to back, I would say is very important. And like being being comfortable, being creative with customers because they'll really actually like it. And they'll be like, oh, wow, you're so helpful. And you're just in there like, this is just something somebody else came in and did. And I thought it would work, work for you, but they don't know that. So uh, I guess just like being comfortable and being being comfortable, being creative. Know your catalog. Is that, that's just what I'm taking away from that. Know your catalog, know what you have to offer and be creative in creating them a package, right? So tell us, let's come back. So you're at Northwest. What did you do to get involved? A lot of students are involved on campus. What are you involved in? Um, so at the moment, I'm involved with Flow. I'm the vice president of it, um, First Ladies Organization. Basically, what we're trying to do is um, create a campus of females Um, So we focus on academics, career readiness, uh, social issues, or just like being social in general, and then womanhood, like what it is and what it looks like. That's probably what I've been with for the longest. I've been vice president since last spring. So that's what I really got involved with at first. But when I first came in as a freshman, I just tried to like the university seminar, they would have us go to the different events, but I was actually really interested when it came to that. So I really just tried to immerse myself in as many things as possible. And you start like seeing the same people at different events. So you sort of like get in the groove. But um, I ended up being part of Flow because my friend was really passionate about it. And she was like this. Um, at the moment, the past president w- worked really focused really a lot on mental health. And so my friend was a psychology major. And so she was like, I love this group. It's so amazing. Like, these are the things that we do. Like, you should come, you should come. So I would come to the different events. And then all of a sudden, like when spring semester started uh, last spring, the president just up and left and made my friend the president. 
And so my friend was like, can you help me with this? Like, I really need a vice president. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why she left. I don't know any of these. So uh, we, we basically winged it. And now we have a secretary. We're working on getting our full exec staff. But yeah, that first semester was really just us trying to figure out what does this look like under us? So yeah, that's what I'm involved in. What made you apply to be a career ambassador? I applied to be a career ambassador because I was really looking for like anything that could help me get more in contact with different students. And I think at the time, a lot of the positions were like maintenance and other things that like, like they had like heavy qualifications, like you have to have a driver's license for some of them. And that's not anything part of the job, but you need a driver's license. And I didn't have a driver's license, so that was really sucky. Um, But I applied to career services just because I had never been in this office. And so I was just like, this sounds cool. And like, I was like looking at the website and seeing like what you guys did. And I was like, this sounds pretty cool. So I applied to it. Yeah. But really, yeah. (laughs) The qualification of other people's jobs are just, you can't meet all of those as a freshman, definitely. So, Yeah. Yeah, we like to hire a wide variety of students, as you probably know, since you've been here now. Honestly, we've hired, we have two students who are graduating this semester that just got hired. So they only have worked for us one semester. And we have the Reebies who we catch when they're like first semester freshmen. We have everything in between in there. So I really, I think one of my goals is to hire an incoming freshman student at some point. I think that would be an interesting experience for everyone. Yeah. Can you talk to us about maybe, because we, we try to use some creative interviewing methods and I can't remember Reby's class. We, we try to do something different, a little bit different every year. And, and the career ambassadors have to go through that interview process as well. So can you talk about maybe the interview process? Um, so for me, it was, we came in and we did a like group interview as in group execs, you guys, Um, And then broke off into individual interviews. Uh, I think, I don't know if this was the most important part, but I feel like the most important part was you guys asked, like, if you had this event, like, how would you execute it? That, that, it it threw me. I was working through it as I was talking through it. Uh, I don't know if you know that, but I was. I just liked that because it really, like, gave, gave, like, a lot of time for creativity, but then it also, like, I don't want to say tested, but it tested like what you knew about the position you were applying to. So like your familiarity with like, like how, what events would look like, or like what was the mission of career services. So I think that was probably, probably the most important part to me uh, for the interviewing process. But yeah, it was a group. And then we went to individual and like got asked different questions and things like that. Different offices on campus interview differently, and I think it's good to experience different ways of interviewing. You just never know what you're going to come up against whenever you have a job interview. Yes. What has been maybe the most surprising thing to you, not about career services, but about being at Northwest in general, maybe something that you didn't expect? I would probably say what surprised me the most is that not that this was a PWI, but that this was like that a lot of students didn't know racial type things so like seeing that when I came in like seeing all the different African-American organizations of course totally pulled me to them but at the same point in time like so one of the groups that I went to it was all female uh, group so it was cool seeing all of the different black people on campus because one for some first year never ever saw a black person 
on campus walking around. And if I saw one, I was just like, ooh, there we are, like so happy. And so like having that group that of course totally drew me to them, but what what's happened was that really struck me on, on this side. And then of course there's this, the PWI side was that there was this black girl and her friend always came and she was white. And everybody, when they would regard her, would be like, hey, where's your black white friend? Or like, hey, this is your black card. Or like, and she wouldn't want to participate, but like the, the, the her friend would always encourage her to come. Like, no, you can come, you can participate. It's for everybody, but she would never want to participate. And so I guess just like seeing like, like on that side, I'm just like, why doesn't anybody else feel comfortable coming? Like it's, it's not, it's, so it was sister. So I'm like, it's not, it's not black people going towards, what is it called? Towards harmony and something like that. What sister stands for? It's, it's, it's females. So that was sort of interesting on that side. But then on the PWI side, it was just like, like walking around and like not seeing a black person. And it never really like hit you until you would see a black person. And then you would be like, whoa, I haven't seen a black person all week. So that was sort of strange. And then once I got like more involved in like DI and the DI council, having those discussions and conversations, not just with students, but with faculty and like seeing how much they didn't know or like how much that they would like respond like, that's so surprising or I've never heard of this before. That was surprising to me. Can you tell us what DI council is? Uh, So President's Diversity Advisement something team. Um, Basically what it is, what it's supposed to be is the student orgs coming and telling what the racial environment is on campus, like how people are feeling. Um, And that was made because of the events that happened over the summer with the student protests and like I can't breathe at Northwest. I would say that we're still working on it. Uh, because so when I went, when I joined, I was part of BSU and I was the vice president for them. So I was there for Flow and BSU. That first meeting, everybody showed up. Second meeting was just me. Third meeting was just me. We only met once a month. This semester, it's been me and this other girl. Um, Then it was me and this other guy. But when it comes to the student part, I was the only one there. And so for me, it's just sort of like, I can't just be the voice for everybody on how people are feeling on campus. And like that really hit me when um, one of the meetings, the international student president, I guess, um, came and he was talking about the international student experience. And for me, that was just like, whoa, because they have to deal with so many other different things, like similar, but very different. And so having his perspective there, like everybody was like, wow, this is really useful. And then he never showed up again. (laughs) So it's like, I feel like it, it, it has a good meaning uh, but the students aren't there for it. And then also like when it comes to the faculty, like explaining things over and over again and like putting all the autonomy on the students, but like also like if the students were there in an ideal situation, putting all that pressure on the students sort of feels like, then what are you here for as a faculty? But then also having the students not be there, it's just like, so where are we? We can't get anywhere if nobody's here. But yeah, the President's Diversity Council is basically like what 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 race feels like on campus and then it moves up to the race actions team. So like what the faculty are going to do about that. And then it passes to the board of regents and the president. I know you and I together have been in a lot of those uh, because I, I, I'm on staff council. So I get to represent staff council on a lot of the DI stuff, which I I love, but you always participate in that. You always contribute to the conversation. So thank you for being the person who does show up and does participate. That makes a huge difference. So, and I think especially as a sophomore too, you know, you've been vice president of the Black Student Union, your vice president of Flow. I mean, you're only in your second year here. So, you know, you've already had a lot of leadership just in that little bit of time you're here. So what what do you plan? You mentioned, you know, you want to teach, obviously, but you mentioned your minor. What's your minor and what are your future plans when you get done with this place here in a couple of years? Well, besides being a teacher, I want to be an author. 
So I'm working on my novel, which uh, unfortunately I took a not asked for a break for this semester, which makes me really angry because that's all I wanted to do this semester was work on my novel. But um, I want to do that. I want to be a best-selling novelist. Like my dream is that, so I want to use a pseudonym and I want to put all my books in my classroom. Like, oh, guys, you should read this series. And I want to see if any of my students will figure out that's you. <laughs> so that's like my dream goal. I love that. Okay. Hold on. Hey, hit pause. Like Rebe's going to come back in 25 years and be like, where was that episode of Behind the Bearcat whenever I said that? Cha-ching right there. <laughs> yes. Hey, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So that's like my dream thing to do. But also, I guess for me, I'm like trying to figure out, I want to be part of like advocacy, that type of conversation. So once I figure out where I want to be and where I want to teach, because of course, I, I feel like it's my obligation to start at home. Like, I feel like if I don't go back home to teach first, that then that's just... That, that's rude to the next generation who is coming up. So I know I want to go home first, but I also know that I want to travel and I don't want to stay at home the whole time. So I guess once I really get settled in wherever I want to be, I really want to be a part of that conversation in the social context of me being an adult, but also in the student context. So helping my students overcome the different things. So like for me, like I want, eventually I want to try out like private schools and charter schools and things of that sort. But I really want to be in the public schools with the actual, not the actual students, but with like the students who are struggling or like don't have the same opportunities as everybody else. Because I feel like, so for me, our school is really a student teacher feeder, I guess. So a lot of my teachers were like 22, 23. They used the um, Teach for America, or I think is what it's called program. And then up and left, made all these student connections and everything like that. But then would like they would either openly tell us or they wouldn't tell us at all until the last day. So one of my teachers, she just openly told us, she was like, I'm just here to get this tuition paid. And then I'm leaving because this school sucks. And we're just like, wow, we still like you, but we also don't like you. Um, and then some teachers, they would just come in and um, we would have them for like two or three years. And then suddenly they'd be like, so I'm leaving. I was only here so I could get my tuition paid and then just leave. And I don't want to do that to my students. So like once I like try out the different schools and things of that sort, like my thing is like if I started school, so I want to teach freshmen, I want to leave when those freshmen I first started teaching with are seniors. I feel like that would be like a good time period. So it's just like I'm not just leaving you guys. I'm not just here for paying my tuition or something like that. And then once I find that school that I really want to be that at, I want to be there until I'm old and retired. So yeah, so I guess teaching, writing, and then figuring out how to be part of that conversation for the students. What genre do you write? Or do you write more than one? I write fantasy for the one I'm working on. I do write more than one. I have an entire tote box of just stories. Um, some are finished, some are unfinished, and they go everywhere and nowhere. Um, but basically, at first, I really liked writing fairy tales. I liked rewriting fairy tales to like current times because I always thought that was interesting and fun. Um, which probably got me into fantasy more so. But I do like writing sci-fi, which is really fun. And I like writing history. So one of my unfinished stories was like, I was looking at a map of Texas. and I just saw like all the different weird names for the cities. So I made like this Western story of like this guy and it's like old timey setting. And he's like going on this like I don't want to say posse hunt, but he's like hunting a person through all these different cities. But basically my whole goal was just say these different weird Texan cities. But I like doing history because I like reading history books a lot. Like the little, the ones that would have like the bookmark in it and they would like old pages and type like that. Yeah, I liked reading those. So I write everything, but fantasy though is always going to be a, a definite. Have you published anything? 
no, I want to, I've looked at self-publishing so many times. Like I know, I know how Amazon self-publishes. I know all these different self-publishing things. I like, I love looking at law stuff. So like when they come to like looking at the contracts and stuff, that's just great. So I've looked at like a lot of different people's contracts and like how that works. Like for like Amazon, it's like, you can have your work, but we keep a copy of your work. And if we ever decide we don't like you, we can produce your copy anytime we want to and sell it for us. So that was sort of a deal breaker for me. But like, yeah, I haven't published anything yet. I thought about publishing some of my poetry, but I don't feel like I feel like I don't put enough like I'm not a poet first. So I don't feel like I put enough effort into it as other poets do enough to like publish my poetry. But I definitely want to consolidate that. Um, but no, I haven't published anything yet. I want to, though. Do you read the same genres you write? I read everything. <laughs> so I guess, like, it sounded, it sounded like I'm a hoarder at this point, but I'm not. <laughs> I have a flash drive full of books. Um, and it ranges from, it's everything. If it has, I guess, anything that, any, something that all readers know, don't judge a book by its cover, but judge a book by its cover. So if it has a cool cover or a cool title, I have it. And then also, if it's just like, I can just be like browsing on a website or something. One of those ads come up because they know I'm a reader and they just pop up and I'm just like, clickbait. Great. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can get me on clickbait if it's a book. Yeah. I, I read everything. I think the probably most interesting thing that I love to read is I love reading history. So it's always like fun. Like the historical like fiction is always great, but actually like reading actual history and like seeing like how interesting things were and how different they are. And like sometimes how it sounds just like a story, but then it's like, no, this is true. In 19 something, something, this is when this happened. Like, I think those are the most interesting when history turns out like a story. What has been the most challenging class you've taken? Statistics. Didn't even have to think just right out. Nope. No thought whatsoever. Statistics. Um, He was a great teacher class was great. Luckily at the end, he was like, you guys, I'm going to give you an extra credit assignment. So I got that B up to an A, which was amazing. But no, statistics, that statistics book, it's helpful, but it's not at all helpful. I had to read chapters like two or three times every single time I took a test. Like it was open book and I really had open book, not open notebook, open book, homework assignment. It's just, but like having gone through statistics, statistics is a very useful class because basically his whole goal of the class was like, if statistics is the the most biased thing that you can ever do and he was basically showing us like yes this may be right but where is it wrong and he would always show us like where they could just like fiddle with something and suddenly you're thinking one thing but like the data actually doesn't show that at all so I feel like that was my biggest takeaway from that class is one I can read graphs now um and like when they start talking about trends and correlations I'm like I know what that means but I think also like knowing that if you like look at their methods, you can see that, oh, well, they're telling me this, but this is not actually what it could say. But yeah, no, statistics was horrible. Rebe, tell me what being a Bearcat means to you. Being a student who is focused on not only their academics, but on how they view the world and can understand the world. I took I took the global version of university seminars. So um, he ended up talking to us about the different branches of I forgot what it's called, but like the different ways that you can see the world when it comes to like America, like messing with everybody. So you can either be like, no, we should totally do that because we're in power. And then you can also be like, no, we need to butt out. And I feel like that class really helped me because I found out that I'm in the middle. So it's like I like 
on, on the financial side, of course, gen eds are horrible, but on the actual side, like going into different gen eds and like learning all this different stuff really does help make you a more rounded person when it comes to different things. Like I'm taking um, government class right now and he's so excited because he's like, all my lesson plans are lining up perfectly with what's going on in politics. This is great. But it's also helpful because like, I'm really like figuring out who I am through all these different classes. So I guess being a Bearcat is like getting that knowledge enough that you can like go out and I know a little bit of this and I know a little bit of that. So tips or tricks in spring, we've been asking, I know you're just, a, you're just a sophomore, so you're not looking for, you know, a full-time job anytime soon here, but having been hired, uh, at, you know, prior a couple times, tips or tricks maybe for a student who's looking for an internship or looking for a job or interviewing for a job, helpful hints. Well, I feel like inter- internship is different. So I did take an internship. Um, I would say for an internship, make sure you have good communication with your bosses. So for my internship, it was taken like for that fall semester. So we were just coming back from COVID, figuring out how things worked. And for them, they really didn't know how to transition everything to online since it was like a literary internship. So having that good communication with them, I think for my experience would have actually helped a lot better um, because I felt like I was just like flying blind until I ended up getting a project to work on. So for internships, when you're applying, I guess, make sure you meet all the criteria, but then also have like some background knowledge or some questions to have. And then also, especially if they're going to be a place that gives you like autonomy to choose whatever project you want to do, have some ideas yourself and then be able to go in and have that conversation with them. Like, this is what I'm thinking about. Does this line up at all with what you want to do? And if it does, help me make a vision for it. Um, When it comes to jobs, I would say make sure your resume is solid, of course, have some references as backup, regardless of if you need them. It's always helpful just to know that you have those type of references, because I think the most awkward thing is when you go to somebody that you've known like forever, and you're just suddenly like, hey, can you be my reference? (laughs) Um, And I only feel like that's just awkward, just because it's just like, you've been on the job field for so long, like coming, being a college student, like going into college, like you're sort of expected to have that. But like, when you don't reach out to it for like two or three years, and then I just think that's weird. So have those ready for you. Um, And when it comes to the interviewing process, do your research, at least know what the place does, like who some of the Remember Rebe's big binder of schools. (laughs) Yeah. Rebe the researcher. Do some, do some type of research on what it is and what it looks like. And then when you like actually read the qualifications for it and like what some of your job duties are going to be so that like when they ask you questions, one, you know where they relate to. So you know what to say more so than what not to say, but you know what to say. And then also so that when you get in the position, you're not completely confused. And it's not like you're just coming in and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just got hired. So yay. Um, And then also being prepared for different type of interviewing styles. So like for me, I know I don't like talking on the phone. I practice that just because, just in case, because I didn't know what was going to happen. So yeah, having your voicemail set up, don't being able to be comfortable over the phone, like practicing with Zoom, which I feel like we're all more adept with now. But yeah, just like doing general practice. And of course, like you can always look up interviewing questions. I'm not going to say they're all the same for everybody because they're not, but some of them, the general ones, like problem solving or like customer Tell me about serving. yourself. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. Have a few sentences about yourself. So you're not just sitting there like, uh, me. Cause I feel like that's probably the worst thing that you could do is it's just like, 
what do you mean you don't know who you are? Which it is very hard to make that statement. But if you have one, then at least you know you can rattle it off off the top of your brain immediately. So I guess just doing your research and then being confident when you come in there, but not like super expecting that you're so hyped up that if they say no, you just break down and then have your options, have your backup plans and things like that. The research before an interview, it's amazing. Even people for full-time positions, like they, they don't even read the job description again. It's like they come in completely blind and their questions are, yeah, what am I going to do in this job? What do you guys do? Yeah. I told you all that. Like, why don't we go to the next level? So yeah, it's amazing how, how often that doesn't get done. And I think you're going to find when you're out looking for full-time jobs, that research skill that you have is going to be super, super helpful because it, so many people don't do it. You're right. It's it's a huge thing. That's so. also Travis's super skill. Yeah, it's take <laughs> five minutes and learn the job. something. <laughs> yeah. It's it is it makes a huge difference. And yeah, if you can't do that basic work, then that doesn't show me you want the job too much. Usually, when I'm interviewing somebody, as part of flow, we uh, actually put interviewing as part of the process that you have to do because we felt like like it's one thing to like get to know you on paper and like we made we made an official document of how you're supposed to apply um we made sure like you have we have the constitution and bylaws finished so that we can send you exactly what your position is going to be and so when we ask you questions like of course I think it was fun because it was right after I got this job so I was just like in the interviewing spirit so it's interesting like from the other side like if you have a chance to practice an interview with somebody definitely do it because you have a very different perspective being on the other side because it's like Yes, you come with ready-made questions based on like what they sent you or like what they say like their things are. But then also it's a lot of like active listening and communication because sometimes they like say something interesting and you're just like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Let me pose a question that answers this without like openly being like that sounded crazy. Um, So we made like interviewing a part of the process because we felt like one, it was an easier way to get to know them. Um, So like for the different positions, there's like different interviewing styles that we do. So like for the general positions, we have a group interview for the uh, higher up positions. We have one on one. When we did our for our secretary, we actually did a group part and then we broke on to one on one. But basically, even when you're just going into an interview, think on both sides. So like if I was sitting there and asked you so and so question, like. Uh, how do you solve problems or like how you deal with customer resolution think about it on the other side like what are they asking me for here because they don't just want a story they want to know like actually how you did that and what what's what can I say that like accurately reflects that yeah I think that's the best way to get good at that's a good being interviewed is to do interviews even if you're just helping your friends uh, we had Grace on recently and she mentioned you know she's helping all her friends with their interviews because they're all getting ready to graduate and it's amazing like when you think of it from that perspective, your answers get better and then you become stronger. So it, it does make a huge difference. Yeah. End of the interview, wide open space for you to share what you have to share. Tag, you're in. What I have to share. Okay. As a student, uh, academics is very important. I feel like a lot of us, we get very swamped up because of stuff that we, I don't want to say do to ourselves, but we do do it to ourselves. Like if you need a break, from that organization, take a break. If you want to be completely lazy and watch TV, understand that you know exactly what you're doing. And when it comes to getting that homework done, there's nobody to blame but yourself. And I feel like having that time to de-stress is very important. So like for me, I realized why I was stressing out so much this semester is because freshman semester, I used to take an hour before bed to do something that wasn't on my computer. And I haven't been doing that. And so I was wondering like, why am I sleeping so bad? take a break. (laughs) It's very important to take a break. Like uh, first freshman year, I did all of my homework at home at night or on the weekends. And during the day, like if I had a spare minute, that was my break time. And it really like, like figure out what your style is and then 
commit to it and make sure you put those breaks in there. That's very important. As vice president of Flow, like when it comes to creating that community of females, I really, it applies to everybody. So what we try to do is like, if you see somebody that you know, even if you don't actually know them, like you'll find that when you get into your major specific classes, you're going to start seeing the same people everywhere. So like smile, be personable, say hi to people. Like that's where you really make friends in your organizations, of course, yes. But in those classes where you keep seeing those same people, that's really where you get those connections. And those connections actually can really help you when it comes to later in time. Like for teachers specifically, like you sort of get forced into it because they make you like do group assignments and things like that. But like in the different fields, like you never know exactly what avenue avenue people are going to be taking in the same field that you're doing. So it's always nice to have those connections. So you get that different insight. You can get like study groups, things of that sort. Um, So I guess like connectivity as the vice president of flow. And then... As part of the diversity council, I would say take time to actually go to those events. They're very important. And even if you don't go to those events, if you have a friend that's not the same race as you, and we had this whole discussion in sociology, race is socially constructed. But anyway, (laughs) if you have somebody whose skin color is not the same shade as you, and you ever had a question or anything like that, it's better for you to ask that question than for you to do something that you didn't know was wrong, but then ends up being wrong. And then your whole friendship is broken apart. So take the time to have those conversations. And if you don't want to have those conversations, if that's uncomfortable for you, go look at history. Like history is, once you find something that you're interested in in history, there's always going to be something for you. And you can learn a lot from it. So if you don't want to have those conversations, if you don't want to go to those events, look up history. And like when you see something like people getting angry about it or something like that, think about like why would that make them angry? And when it comes to the DI events, don't just go just to go, like go there, pay attention, listen to what people are actually saying. Think about how that applies to what you're doing and like how that can make you a better person. So for me, what I always do, like eventually it gets sort of repetitive. Like you hear the same thing, some of that sort. And the way I always think about it is listen to what they're saying and then figure out how you can find an example of it in your life. Because even if it's just like a passing by moment, you can always find that example to relate it to yourself. And once you get that like relation to yourself, I feel like it has a much better impact on you when it comes to change and things of that sort. But have the conversations be open. Don't just don't hang with your whole same color group. It's not fun. Also, like other cultures are so much more fun. You get to learn so much cool things. And as a foodie, you get better food if you go to other cultures that you don't know what they like making. And then you find out that they make this and they make it really good. And it's amazing. So yeah, be be open to people and be always be a listener first. Even if you don't have something to say, be a listener first and listen actively so that when you ask those questions, it doesn't come off a certain type of way. It just comes off as I'm inquisitive. I want to learn. I want to be better. Great words of wisdom. Yep. Very good advice. Thank you so much, Rebe, for being a guest on our podcast. Thank you for having me. Podcast. Podcast. <laughs> my lip is dry and it got stuck on my tooth. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat, and we'll talk to you next time.